0: In two weeks, we're going to get rolling on church history, so i encourage you guys to come up to that. We're going to cover all of church history in 13 weeks, thoroughly. Well, not so thoroughly. We're going to hit the highlights in 13 weeks, so I hope you guys can come on out. I'm very excited about what we're going to be discussing this morning. Uh, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll jump into things. Lord, we are so grateful to be together Uh, Today with your people and to look at your word. Um, We ask God that you would guide us in our studies today and also that you'd bless our outreach this this Saturday. And um, thank you for each of my brothers and sisters that can be here with me. And uh, we just lift up this time to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so here's a couple questions that we're going to start off with. What word phrases do baseball coaches use to instruct their pitchers and then do word phrases used in coaching matter? Uh, You don't necessarily, some of you may know something about baseball, but anybody know what are some phrases that you might use? You know, zero. Okay. That's okay. Anybody, how would you teach a baseball player? What kind of phrases would you use to help a pitcher? Follow through. Okay, good. So I was a baseball coach, so you want to follow through. What would be some other phrases that a coach might say to his pitchers? Say it again? Focus. Yeah, let's focus here. Um, You might say, hey, let's work the corners. That means let's not throw the ball right down the middle. Let's hit the inside outside of the plate. A coach might say, hey, work this guy inside. So a batter's here. You don't want the ball right where he can hit it easily. Try to get the ball inside where he's got to bring his hands in. A pitcher, a coach might say, hey, let's change speeds a little bit. Okay, if you throw the ball in at the exact same speed every time, the batter can now time it, and that's where he's going to tee off on you. So good pitchers will change speeds. So there's lots of different phrases you might use. I remember um, when I was coaching my son's baseball team, sometimes you'd hear young coaches. They'd be out there with these young kids, very first pitch of the game, and the pitch would just sail high a little bit, and you'd hear this young coach say, come on, get the ball down. It's like he's thrown one pitch. It's like it's hard to pitch, right? It's not easy, And, or you'd hear some brilliant advice like this, like, come on, throw strikes. (laughs) It's like, okay, I know that coach. Uh, But as you, as a coach gets more experience, you begin, you can look out at your pitchers and you can sometimes tell why they're not throwing strikes. So for instance, you may not know this if you've never coached baseball, but sometimes a young pitcher, when he goes to release he'll bring his glove out here like this and it'll cause him to go wide he'll go like this and we train our pitchers to tuck we want them to bring this glove hand and tuck like this and throw straight at the plate and so sometimes i'll notice that i'll see one of my pitchers not tucking and then if they if if we've talked about it before I can remember one of my pitchers i would say hey RG, let's tuck, let's tuck. He knows exactly what that means. I'm seeing something. And so now he tucks, all of a sudden he's throwing strikes. So terminology, I want to suggest to you matters. And knowing the right terms and what how to communicate it to your, to your pitchers. <clears throat> so let's imagine that we're evangelizing. We're going out, we're going to do some evangelism. Um. And as you guys read the article this week, what's one of the most common phrases in American Christianity for this thing that we call evangelism? What do we like to say? Share the gospel. gospel. Hey, let's go out and share the gospel. Um, If you read the article this last week, how frequent does that phrase show up in the New Testament, share the gospel? Yeah, it doesn't. Not in that not those three words together. You don't see the idea of now we do Paul does say I didn't just um impart to you the gospel, but we also gave your you own lives in First Thessalonians two. But for the most part, what are some of the terms that get used a lot when it comes to evangelization? Preach. What else? Pray, give, give a defense, yeah, defense declare so preach declare proclaim so these are terms that you find in the book of acts um, in the epistles uh, sharing the gospel is more of an american term and if you guys read the article this missionary was sitting in one of his missiology classes over in asia and the asian instructor was saying you know we're starting to see this american term get into our language and we don't really like it and here's why I want to suggest to you that sharing is, it's not, sometimes we can get really persnickety and I I don't want you to go around after this class and start rebuking everybody who says share the gospel. That's what I don't want you to do. Um, But I think for our own purposes, we do want to think about, are we just trying to toss the ball in there, right? Do we just, as a pitcher, do I just want to toss the ball? Or do I want them to work the corners, work it up and in, change speeds? The Bible uses terms for a reason because proclaiming the good news, preaching the good news, heralding the good news is the way that the apostles did it. They went out and we have a good message for people that needs to be proclaimed. But the challenge is, is not everybody knows that, Um, They need the gospel and not everybody necessarily wants to hear it. And so that's part of what we're going to talk about. When I back in 1999, I had melanoma on my back and I didn't know it. I had cancer and I'm going to the beach. I'm out in Orange County, right? Going, I'm doing my surfing thing. And, um, and then I go and I get a, a biopsy. And when I went to see my doctor, my doctor told me something I did not want to hear. He told me, "You have melanoma." But I I, ne- I didn't even know what melanoma was. For all I know, he was saying you have vanilla. I didn't know what melanoma was. I said, "Doctor, can I can we take care of this later cuz I've got some midterms coming up pretty soon." So he had to sit me down and announce to me, proclaim to me what melanoma was. And he described, he used this word, "You have cancer, this will kill you. But if we give you surgery, we can save your life. When he put it in those kinds of terms, I was like, can we do this tomorrow? Right now? He told me something that was actually good news. The good news was, is that my life could be saved I didn't think, if he would have just walked into me and not told me that I had melanoma and just said, your life can be saved, I'd be like, what are you talking about? But he had to tell me that I had cancer, and then he says, your life can be saved. Now I'm like, that's good news. I want that tomorrow. And so that's part of what we're going to talk about today is what exactly are we doing when we go out to give the gospel with our gospel group. We're going to do this not alone, but we're teaming up for evangelism, which is the title of our class. And we're going to talk about going with the gospel group. The gospel group is your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're going to talk about going. What does it actually mean to go? And so as we do this, let's first look at a couple passages of scripture. Let's look at Matthew 28. So you can open up there. This is a passage that we've talked about many times at Cornerstone. Um, I preached a sermon on it not too awful long ago. If you go on our website, you can look up this sermon on Matthew 28. But I want to start in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain, which Jesus had appointed for them. So they had an appointment on this mountain when they saw him. They worshiped him. So they keep their appointment. Then they worship Jesus. But you guys remember there is some doubting that was going on. Verse 18. Jesus came. So he drew near to them, even in their doubts, and spoke to them. What does he say? All authority has been given to me. So first thing he tells them, I have all authority on, in heaven and on earth. This is one of the th- something that we pray every week when we go out evangelizing as we pray, Lord, you've got all authority in heaven and right here on this campus at UCR. It's been given to me. So because I have all authority, here's what I want you to do. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. So. First, I want you to go because I've got all authority. I want you to go out and here's what I want you to do. I don't want you just to go out and be a nice person. I don't want you to go out and just try to be a good testimony and meaning like just do good works. Um, I want you to go out and make disciples. So it's not just have good spiritual conversations. It's not have good intellectual interactions with people. I want you to go out and make learners of me, of all nations, so everybody. And if you just think about where we're at here in Southern California, remember the church, the gospel did not originate in the United States. It started over in the Middle East and Northern Africa with a bunch of dark-skinned people, Mediterranean people. And we're the byproduct of people who have obeyed this command. People went out, preached the gospel. Eventually, you know, I look around here. I see some kind of European-looking people, some darker-skinned people, some Asian. Um, So the gospel started to spread out. And for my ancestors, the gospel made its way eventually up into Europe. And some of my ancestors that were cutting themselves to Thor and running around naked and painting their bodies, right? Dancing around in the forest, painting themselves. They heard the gospel and they became disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then some of those people came over to this new land called America. And then the gospel began to spread. All of a sudden, 1968 comes. This guy named Mike Berry is born. 1983, I'm in Orange County and I become a Christian. I become a disciple. I'm a pagan Right byproduct of the obedience of this command. I was a total unbeliever, but the gospel came to me. And so I was made a disciple, and then I was baptized. Um, so at 14 years old, I, I embraced Christ as my Savior, and then I was baptized in a swimming pool in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So notice here that we make disciples, and then there's baptism. That's very important order. A person becomes a disciple, and then they get baptized. So you're a disciple first, which means you've placed your faith in Christ. You've already come, been baptized spiritually into the body. But then you externally do what's already happened to you internally. You get baptized. In fact, Long is going to be baptized this afternoon. And we're so glad to have his dad here today uh, from my county, Orange County. So uh, Westminster. We were a little bit apart, Anaheim, Westminster, so we're glad to have Anson here. And so we're going to baptize Long, who's now a disciple. And uh, and so we're going to bring him underwater, which is not, uh, he's not being baptized in order to be saved. Long has already been saved. He's a disciple now. He placed his faith in Christ. But now externally, he's going to do what's happened internally. And and then we're going to continue to teach long. And we've all been continued to be taught uh, to observe all things that I've commanded you for. Lo, I am with you always. Jesus is with us always, even to the end of the age. All right. So this going thing. If we're looking at the as we look at this text, uh, which we call the Great Commission, the big idea is that Christ commands us to go out. And to actually accomplish something, make disciples. Now, we know when you flesh out the rest of the New Testament, we can't save anybody. We proclaim the message. The Holy Spirit's got to open eyes and turn hearts, give them, take out a heart of stone, put in a heart of flesh. And people have placed their faith in Christ who died on the cross for them. Um, But we get to go out and proclaim that message. Let's look at Mark 16. There's actually several overlapping passages. It seems like Jesus reiterated this command in different settings with the disciples. And so in this particular setting, here's the way Jesus puts it to them in verse 15. Go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel to every what? Creature. Okay, so let's break that down. Go, so we're commanded by Jesus to go. Go where? Into all the world. So as a church, as a group, um, we should have representatives going all around the world. That doesn't mean that Cornerstone should just pick up and all 500 of us, we just suddenly moved to Zimbabwe, right? But it does mean that the church at large should be willing to send members of its body all around the world. And a cornerstone, in fact, we get to participate in that. We have members of our body who have gone all around the world. Indonesia, the Philippines, we have Europe, we have South America. We have people who have gone all around the world. Northern Iraq, right, Kurdistan. And so they go all around the world to do something. And it's to preach the good news, preach the gospel, to announce, to herald the gospel. And that's where I, I really want to commend the article that I sent to you guys this last week. If you haven't read it yet, I'd like you to go read it this week. There's different titles. You know how editors, they, they'll title it however they want. One of the titles of the article is the apostles never shared the gospel and neither should we. That's actually, I think, a pretty good title. Um we don't share the gospel, we preach the gospel. And we don't like the word preach today in our culture because preach sounds what? Preachy, right? It sounds religious. And when you hear the word preach, you just think of some angry person standing on a corner yelling at people, proclaiming their sins. But notice what we're to preach. What is it that we're to caruso or to announce? We're to announce good news. That's what we're to announce. The main message, if you look at the book of Acts, when Peter and the guys and the gals are running around, it's a good message. It's a message that says, you guys have gone astray, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And now God's in the business of granting repentance to Israel. And if we just will believe in faith, he'll forgive and wipe away all your sins. That's great news. That's fantastic news. And so we want to get out there and announce it. So as a group, we should feel the responsibility to announce the good news to every creature, man, woman, and child. Everybody should hear it. Okay, so if we're fulfilling this command As a group now, we should not be satisfied that just a few people hear it, but we want every creature to hear it. Okay, so let's break this down to some applications for us as a group. Let me just first of all say what I don't think this means. This does not mean, from what I can tell, and you can disagree with me if you want, is that every single person in our church should be out on a corner preaching from the Bible. I don't think that God is calling every one of you to be on a corner preaching. I don't think that's what he's saying. What I do think he's saying is as a group, as we do this team sport called evangelism, making disciples, all of us should see what is our position on the team so that the whole group can accomplish this thing called making disciples so that every creature would hear the good news. And we're going to have different roles on the team. As we look at the various giftings in the body, we know that some of us are going to give. Some of us are going to give, and some of us have the gift of giving, and we're going to give a lot. We've talked about Lady Huntington. Did I talk about that in this class? Okay, good. So Lady Huntington in the 1700s, we see her all over the literature. She's always giving money to get Whitfield and Wesley and all these great awakening preachers all over the world. Um, She was funding a lot of their ministry. And we have people at this church that have a gift of giving and they're constantly funding ministry. So that's one way that we can be part of the team. Every one of us should be praying. And if you don't do anything else at the end of this class, here's the one challenge. I want to challenge you to pray for one person every day. Could you think of one person that needs to know the gospel who doesn't yet know Christ and write that person down on your calendar, however you do it, and just start praying for that one person every day? I don't even want you at this point to say, I have to be the person to share the gospel with them or to preach the gospel or announce it. Just pray. Pray for that person. I think every one of us can be on the team in that way where we're praying. So you can pray, you can give. Um, and let's see, I'm looking for one of my guys here. I don't see Alan yet. He might be off in one of the other classes. Um, one of the things that our team does when we go out on Thursdays, and it, it started off with just me and Alan Monroy, is he just prays on as we're walking over to our corner. He just prays. And then when we get over there, he'll pray, and then he pass out uh, he passes out tracts and pamphlets. So some uh, just to kind of let you guys know what we do on Thursdays, if you ever want to come out with us, and this will be a little bit of what we're going to do on, on Saturday. I'll, we'll have some differences. On Thursday, here's the way our team looks. We have people that are praying beforehand, but then we're walking over to this corner and people are praying. Once we get to the corner, um, we have some people are passing out, Pamphlets right they 've gotten pretty good at holding up the picture so people get an idea of what it is that they 're being asked to grab, and you just say, Hey, did you get one of these? did you get kobe 's story? This is a track that we made just this week. We pass it out. It has a little kind of human interest story about kobe i don 't say anything about his faith because i'm i won 't go into that, but we do take a turn on the back and we start going into the gospel and and we start talking about how it is that while Kobe did good deeds he he does reflect god's no uh, the nobility of man there's the image of god that's in all of us that's why we do good things but the Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Kobe would be the first one to say that it was not perfect. He went astray very publicly. We, many of us, go astray privately. But the Bible doesn't stop there. The Bible says, the Lord laid on him, that is Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. We can never make up for our badness with our goodness. And it, while Kobe did good deeds... You know what? He couldn't save that little boy's life and he couldn't save his own life. He died himself tragically in a helicopter accident. But Jesus says, if we'll place our faith in Christ, we don't have to fear death. In fact, we'll be forgiven of sins. If we place our faith in Christ who died on the cross, was raised from the dead, we'll be forgiven of sin. Guilt will be removed and you no longer need to fear judgment after death because Christ died for you. That's in essence what I say. Right, so I'm preaching that our team, they just say, "Hey, did you get one of these? Did you get one of these?" Other people are just praying, walking around, praying. Some of our other people that are a little more comfortable talking, they stand across the street, and as people cross the street, they say, "Hey wh- what did you think of what that guy's saying?" And some will be like, "Ah, oh, he's kind of a wacko. Okay, God bless you." or they'll walk they'll walk them to class, they'll get into a conversation. And some of the most of these students are walking to class and some of our people feel very comfortable walking them to class and continuing to engage them in the gospel. Right. So that's kind of what we're doing. Other times we have people who can't they can't come out on a Thursday, but they're home praying for us. They're driving to work and they're praying. Are they part of the team? Yes, they are. Um, Let's say that you don't ever come out on a Thursday morning. You never stand on a corner. If you're home changing your baby's diapers and you're praying for your unsaved father, are you part of the team? Yes, you are. If if you're getting trained in this class, and you're Lord, Lord, help me open up my mouth to talk to my father. We had a prayer request come in just this week from a gal in our church who's praying that she'll be able to talk to a relative. She hasn't talked to the relative yet. But she's praying. Our pastoral staff is now praying. Is she part of the game? Yes, she is. She's praying. We're now praying. And she's, she's participating in the Great Commission now, just by virtue, uh, virtue of her praying. And so that's part of what I want to encourage us with, is go, we want to go preach to all the world <clears throat> the gospel to every single creature. So let me just, um, before we move into the next section, let me give you a few caveats here. Some of us in our evangelism are, um, some of us have some experience and some of us are more geared towards one kind of evangelism. Like, like maybe you like, you like friendship evangelism. You like developing a relationship with someone and then you get to know them over time and then you're preaching the gospel to them. Is that wrong? Unbiblical? No. No. Jesus sat down with the woman at the well. He had a conversation with her, got to know uh, her in a very short time, actually, and then proclaimed the gospel to her Ethiopian eunuch. He got up into the chariot. What are you reading there? Developed a relationship. And then it actually uses the term. He preached the gospel to him. So you can preach the gospel sitting in a chariot or in a car with somebody. You can preach the gospel by a water fountain, right? You can announce the gospel. Um, For me personally, sometimes the hardest people for me to preach the gospel to are people that I know really well. Friends or family members. My dad. Oh, I start shaking. You know, so, but we all have different gifts. Sometimes I've noticed in the body of Christ that people who are really good at pitching, right? Sometimes they might diminish other positions on the team. And we want to be careful we don't do that. If, you, if you're if you really good at friendship evangelism, don't diminish the preacher. And if you really love preaching and open-air preaching, don't diminish the person who's praying. Let me tell you why I like to do both. And I don't believe that everybody's called to open-air preach. But let me tell you why I think open-air preaching is so important. I think open-air preaching is so important, first of all, because Jesus did it. Jesus open-air preached everywhere. Not everybody's called to open-air preach, but Jesus did. Paul and the apostles open-air preached Everywhere. They didn't just go share one-on-one. They preached. And here's why I think they preached. Because the command to make disciples is to go that all the world and every creature would hear. Statistically speaking, this is why preaching is so wise. If you and I only go out and share one-on-one with people, how in the world will all the world hear the gospel, particularly people who don't want to hear it? Because the fact is, is there's a lot of people who who don't want to hear the gospel. You walk up to them and you try to engage them in a friendship evangelism approach and they don't want to hear it. So how are they going to hear the gospel if they won't even engage you in friendship evangelism? The way people hear the gospel who don't want to hear it is through preaching. And that's what you see in the book of Acts. That's why preaching is all over the place. Because the gospel is to be proclaimed, not just to people who want to hear it, but to people who don't want to hear it. What's up, bud? And so, so friendship evangelism, one-on-one evangelism. Yes, we have to do it. In fact, Spurgeon called those types of people. He called them his uh, hound dogs. Right. So in his, as Spurgeon would be preaching publicly he had people in his congregation that would identify people to where the spirit seemed like it was moving on their hearts and they would go engage them one-on-one. And so every week he's preaching, he knows Spurgeon in his time period. Um, There was lots of people that did not know Christ that would come to his church every week because he was the biggest show in town, right? Nobody had TV back then and Spurgeon was the entertainment. So thousands of people would show up and so he'd be preaching but his hound dogs would be sniffing out, what's the spirit doing? Oh, that person seems like the Lord's moving on them. I'm going to go engage them in conversation, take them out to lunch, get to know them. And, and that's how the team was working. And Spurgeon was very, very frank at times that he believed that uh, the vast majority of the conversions that was happening underneath his preaching ministry were in those types of encounters where his hound dogs were out uh, sniffing out. People that the spirit was moving on. Does that make sense? And so we need to have both. We need to have both. Um, and so I've I've noticed that that sometimes it, it, people will get uncomfortable. Let, let me give you a couple couple examples here. Sometimes you know you might be invited to go do some one on one cold call evangelism with someone who loves friendship evangelism. That can be intimidating to you. But all you have to do like the Saturday is just come out and pray, right? And you don't have to do anything, and just take a little step of faith, and let's see what happens. Um, Sometimes you might come out, and you'll hear somebody preaching. Maybe you like come out and hear me preach in some setting, and you might be like, "Oh, people! I can tell people are getting upset. People are angry." Well, then you have to stand back and say, "Are they getting angry because Mike is just an angry preacher, or are they getting angry because they just don't want to hear the gospel?" And I want to propose to you that when we're out at UCR. Uh, the vast majority of the believers that we're interacting with are so grateful that we're there. They're very encouraged. Uh, Even a lot of the unbelievers are like, wow, this is interesting. We've never really heard the gospel preached this way before. But it's true. Periodically, we have one lady that we call her Mrs. Contradictory. She's normally got something to say every week. There's one lady who actually physically plugged her ears while I was preaching. Um, We've had two tracks torn up and the whole time we've been going out there, that's amazing to me. There's only two tracks have been torn up. Um, periodically, somebody will shout something out. But for the most part, it's actually been very, very positive. And so, um, so this Saturday, so let's get to this Saturday. Um, I would like everybody to sign up for this Saturday to at least pray. I really don't want to make that an option. I can't command you to do it. I think I, can, I think I can with the authority of the Bible say all of us should pray about the Great Commission, right? And so I'm just asking, I'm requesting that everybody would pray for this Saturday's event, all right? If you're available, I'd love to see as many of you as possible to come here to this campus at 9 o'clock on Saturday. And so, and it's not going to, it's not like a high-level commitment event. All you need to do is you come out this Saturday, 9 o'clock. We're going to pray right here. Yeah, right here at the church. We're going to go to the park across the street, and we're going to hit Dollar Tree over on Chicago, and then if there's time, we're going to go over to University Village, and we're going to pair you up with someone who's very comfortable doing this, and so if all you want to do is just show up and just go with somebody else who's done it before and just stand there and pray, totally cool. If you come out on Saturday and you're like, Pastor Mike, can I just stay at the church and just pray? I'm too nervous. We'll let you do that. You can just stay here and pray, right? But we'd love to see you go so that you can see it happen. Um, So I know we have Jaime. I know we have Molly. I know we have Elliot. Um, Is there anybody else who could train? I forget who my trainers are. People, you've done this before. You don't mind taking somebody with you. Okay, yeah, Cynthia could do it. I know definitely Rosemary. You guys could probably do it, no doubt. Um, you're ready. Could you take somebody with you? Uh, yeah. All right, we'll, we'll talk about it. Okay. Yeah, I think Justice, he, This he's really done a great job sharing his testimony out there at UCR. Alan was passing out tracks in Hawaii, right? That was pretty awesome. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. Um, Teresa could probably do it. Dave, um, so, what we'll do is we'll pair you up. We're not going to take a lot of time. We'll pair you up. I do want you guys to read the tracks cuz even if this is not your preferred uh method of evangelism, this is the one we're going to just introduce you to this week. Not that you have to buy into this. This isn't the only way to do it, but make sure you grab some of those tracks on the back. And then I want you to Email me by Wednesday of this week, which track do you think you would be most likely to want to pass out and share? So these most of what's back there are what we call testimony tracks. So they tell a story. And I really like testimony tracks from the standpoint that people tend to get engaged with the story. They get introduced to the gospel. And and then you can also follow up with them if if they if they engage. And so let's go ahead. We'll have Alan come on up, real quick. And so, um, so Alan, let's just pretend like you and I have just showed up at UCR, and we're walking to the corner. And so, just do fifteen seconds of what you would do as you're praying. Uh, pray, like yeah, just go ahead. And, yeah. Uh, Father, I thank like, you today. Thank you um, for this opportunity to uh, preach. Okay, that's good. See, was that hard? Yeah, so that's all Alan's doing. Alan's praying. While he's praying, guess what's happening? The God of the universe is listening, right? The Holy Spirit. Okay, and so Alan, um, so you go ahead and take a couple. You take a couple of those. Let's see, Justice, why don't you go down there and act like you're a UCR student just walking up. So, So this is kind of, this is what we would do on a Thursday. Okay, so you're just walking up and then just show what you would typically do. Okay, that's it. That's pretty much all they do. So they they just say, hey, did you get one of these? Most of the time, people just say, oh, thank you. Um, there was that one time, remember that bus? There was some bus over there by Bannockburn. Most of the time, people are pretty friendly and they'll take them. But there was one time where, like, everybody that got off the bus rejected us. It was like 25 people oh, in a row. Okay. Remember that? It was kind of like, that was the worst like 10 seconds in our whole time out there is it's like we just every single person we offered a track to they wouldn't even look at us in fact they looked mean and i turn around to ellen i'm like that was a tough bus (laughs) and uh but other than that for the most part you know people have been pretty cool and um and so and then so when we if we go over here to the park you'll just kind of walk around now they'll be probably watched watching soccer games so you're, we're not going up to try to engage them to get them away from looking at their kid okay that's not we don't we want to be careful for that kind of environment you're just going to walk up and just say hey did you get one of these did you get one of these and if there happens to be somebody that's off not paying attention to the soccer game that seems like they want to engage then your 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 leader of the of the group can can follow up with that they can start engaging them and then i i'll normally just talk until it seems like the person just they're just being polite but they're not paying attention anymore then i'll kind of be polite and say hey thank you so much and then kind of dismiss myself from the conversation but alan and i we've been in a lot of conversations where i'm actually surprised how long these students have talked to us I'm like, do you have somewhere to go? I start apologizing. Don't you have a class? And they're like, no, no, I can still talk. And it's like a lot of these students. It's you almost get the impression like they just want friendship. Like they want somebody to. They're they're just surprised somebody's talking to them. I mean, imagine you're a new student. You're a freshman. You're walking on a campus with fifty thousand strangers, and now somebody's talking to you who's actually being friendly and and um, so so that's kind of the basic thing that we're going to do so we'll hit those three spots i do want you to sign up there's a a, a sheet in the back and then you're going to take some of these tracks right look at the ones that are most interesting to you take them home and read them there's a bunch of them we have justice's story we have long story this is kobe bryant there's alvin davis read it get familiar with it to where if the lord gave you an opportunity you could kind of kind of share a little bit of the person's story. All right. This make sense. So it's this Saturday. What time? Nine o'clock. Even if you can't be here, you're going to pray. And we're only going to go for two hours. Now, team members, I really want you to be strict with this because we're trying to encourage people to grow in their evangelism. So if you take if we take our trainees out for the first time and you let it go for four hours, then um, that could be discouraging to our new people. So we want to at 11 o'clock. Even if you're in a really cool conversation, you can dismiss your partner, right? If you want to keep going, that's fine, but make sure your partner has an out because they may have other commitments. They they, they were willing to come for two hours, but make sure your partner doesn't feel guilty about leaving at 11. It's just nine to 11. And then if you get in a good conversation and then, um, I want, after we won't meet back here, we're just going to meet, pray, go you guys. I do want you to report back to me via email, though, um, to let me know how things went, especially if we have some stories we want to bring up the following week. Um, so next week, we will have a, a panel. I know Molly's going to be on the panel. I'd like Alan to be on the panel next week, if we could. Um, we're going to like interview a few people. If you're interested in being on my panel, we're going to interview a few people. I'd like to get experienced evangelists and also brand new people, people who are like you know, this is some of my first experience or here's some things that the Lord has done. Um, I know that there's some really awesome things that some of you folks are doing. So I want to give some variety. So I don't just want track evangelists. Um, I want to people get some variety of how you guys are going out and doing it. Any questions about the event? Yeah. It all depends on like, how many how many people are there? Um, they they are doing their soccer. If if there's a ton of people there, we may be at the park for a while. But if there's not a lot, we may be at the park for a short time and then we head to Dollar Tree. Yeah, well, Dollar Tree is on Chicago near Chicago and University. The reason I like Dollar Tree is because there's all kinds of people that are always walking out of dollar tree and security doesn't mind us being there because it's kind of a sketchy crazy area and the security actually in my in the in the experience I've had over there they like it when religious people come over cuz it's a little sketchy <laughs> all right so i'll just warn you that when we go to the dollar tree um if if you're not familiar with that part of town and stuff you know, you may see people laying on the street, just zoned out, like just, I mean, not just sleeping, like drugged out and stuff. And, but, you know, we'll all be together and you'll be safe and stuff like that. Yep. I, I, I'll, I'll yes. That's great. That's great. So yeah, that's a good point. So Rosemary likes to write down the names of people so that you can pray um, when you get home. The other thing is is if if it seems like you do get a good contact, um try to get their information if they'll give you the information because then you can follow up. Um I actually as much as I do like to preach, I'll tell you what I like better is meeting with people on an ongoing basis. If somebody's willing to meet with me and say, Hey, would you like to get together and have some coffee? Um, yeah, I'll just meet with people and just keep engaging them and answer questions. And that's just such a blessing. So that's that's kind of what I get paid to do. I feel guilty. Sometimes I get paid to like, go sit and eat and drink coffee and talk to people. It's like, wow, what a job. <laughs> right. It's a lot of people. They'll be sitting, having like lunch with me and they'll be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Pastor Mike, you know, uh, taking up all your time. Like, I'm getting paid for this, bro. (laughs) This is what I, this is what I do for a living. Right. (laughs) I'm just eating and talking. Um, okay. So any other questions, raise your hand if you think you can come this Saturday. I don't want to put any, Oh, that's awesome. Okay, great. Yeah. if, If, and then if you know other people in our body that thinks they can come, that's great. Raise your hand. This is a test. Raise your hand if you're going to pray this Saturday. All right, there we go. Uh, Some of your people are like, I don't know. I don't want to take a a vow or an oath right now. Um, No, that's good. Okay, so we have three minutes. So I I only had this uh, if we had time. So I do encourage you to finish The Wicked Gate if you weren't able to read it. This is just an awesome book. Really, it's incredible. Um, You can read the whole thing for free online. You can buy it cheap. Um, I am supposed to give out all of grace. So this is going to go to, this is C.H. Spurgeon. This is going to go to somebody. I I posted this on Facebook. This was a present from my beautiful wife to me for Valentine's slash anniversary. And so this book is going to go to somebody who doesn't have this book, all of grace by C.H. Spurgeon, who can tell me, what that is behind me you have to give me a basic idea of what that is yep it is spurgeon notes do you have this book all right olive grace that is a fantastic book that is so awesome yes the this is um my wife hasn't told me how much this cost yet i haven't asked but she'll tell me when she's ready Um, but this was a, it's an original page of, it's got Spurgeon's edits on it. I don't know if you guys recall Spurgeon history, but so he would preach and then there would be about six people all taking notes really fast. Then somebody would compile the six, bring that compilation, put it on his desk and he would edit it in blue ink. Then that would go to the printer. They would typeset it and it would be out by that evening uh, for print. And um, and so this is one page of one sermon that has blue ink on it, his blue ink. So it's an original. And uh, 1881 from from a sermon called uh, the Ark of the Covenant, Jeremiah 316. And uh, I don't want to get choked up right now. Um, So anyway, so and so it has lots of edits on it one phrase that's up there. My copy looks a lot better than my phone picture of it, but it says in him, we have all that our souls desire. So that's, that's one of the edits where he'd cross something out, wrote that in. And so when you read like the typeset today of this sermon, it has those edits in there. Um, so it's, yeah, just pretty cool, um, for me. So, um, so really appreciate it. There's, so there's several different edits on it. So we're gonna we're trying to figure out how we're going to like put it, mat it, and stuff. And I'm probably gonna take that one copy, put the other copy so people can read it, and maybe a picture or something. <clears throat> Don't worry, I won't I won't turn it into a shrine. Um <laughs> hopefully it won't become like the bronze serpent, you know. Um so yeah, so that's all we have time for is for me to talk brag about my gift. Um, so, uh, so let's be praying this Sunday. Um, and the big idea, I hope you're getting this in this class. The big idea is I want you to view yourself as part of the team and that Christ has all authority. He's the captain and you don't have to feel guilty about playing your position. You go out and play your position, whatever that is play your position to the best that you can in prayer and faith, and then just trust the Lord that you're part of the team, right? Don't like look at your partner who's more experienced than you and they're just going gangbusters, answering all these apologetics questions and be like, I'm so stupid. I can't answer questions like that. Oh, guess what? Prayer is not some secondary gifting, right? That's not like, Oh, you're not as good of a position player. Um, Oh, man, Pastor Mike's up on the corner. He's like preaching. That guy's so bold. I'm so weak. I'm so, I'm such a loser. No, no, that's, that's not it at all. Uh, The truth be told, like, if you could see inside of me as we're praying, uh, as we're walking on the way to the corner inside, I'm like, why in the world am I doing this? This is crazy. I'm so nervous. Let's go somewhere else. In fact, I'll just be honest with you and then we'll pray. Almost every Thursday morning, my alarm goes off. And I'll tell you, the first thought through my head is not like, all right, I get to go preach the gospel in the corner at UCR this morning. It's like, am I sick? (laughs) Let me see. Is there any way I can call this off? (laughs) What about my vertigo? Am I feeling dizzy? No, darn it. I'm feeling good. Uh, Okay. (laughs) And then I go out dragging my feet. But then these guys are praying. We get out there. I preach. I've, I tell Alan and Justin, I go out and preach the gospel every week at UCR, and I put on my calendar every week because I need it. That's why I do it. I It's completely selfish. I need to go preach the gospel. And then as I preach the gospel, unbelievers get the residual benefit, right? And then also believers get the residual benefit. But I do it for me. You might be thinking, man, Pastor Mike, I wish you had more noble motives than that. That's about as noble as it gets, is I'm doing this so that I can grow in Christ and and it does something for my heart. And when it does something for my heart, then the, the living water comes out and I start sensing God using me for the benefit of other people. And that's just, that's the one of the, to me, it's one of the secrets of life is that if you're feeding on Christ yourself, And being completely biblically self-interested in that respect, then the love of Christ constrains you to do things that you're like, I never thought I could do that. And it's crazy. But let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this time. We pray, Father, that you would go before us um, this Saturday, that you bless our outreach. Um, We ask, Lord, that you would move upon hearts. We thank you that you have authority over this city. And that Father, you've given authority to your son to give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And so we just go out to proclaim this good news. And so help us to do so in joy and to praise you and worship you. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for uh, Long's baptism. We pray, Lord, that you go before that time. Thank you so much that Anson can be here. Um, We pray, Father, Lord, for Pastor Milton as he preaches here shortly. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.